1994, the New York Rangers won their, won their first Stanley Cup in 54 years. New York sports announcer Sam Rosen made the call. This is how he called it. The waiting is over. The New York Rangers are the Stanley Cup's champions. This one will last a lifetime. Well, actually, it only lasted one year. <laughs> the next year, somebody else was crowned champion. But sports announcers are, are known for describing the game of the century, the, the win for the ages, phrases that have been used so many times that apparently the century and the ages are all booked up with great events. Of course, whatever is the greatest game is, is really a matter of opinion. If your team loses in that particular game, it's the worst game of the century for you. That's not the case for what we find recorded here in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. There may be some debate now, but there is a time that will come when there will be no debate. There will be no disagreement. There will simply be one name. Paul describes it this way in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is no name greater than this. The name that is above every name. Have you ever heard something you, you just didn't understand? Or, or, or maybe something when, when someone told you, when you heard it, you just didn't really believe it. And then all of a sudden, a light bulb comes on, and whatever it is they're describing to you, it makes sense. Oh yeah, that really is pretty special. Well, unfortunately, this was the situation for the people of the New Testament day that had, had a really hard time believing that Jesus was who he said that he was. He didn't fit the picture they had of who the Messiah was supposed to be. They thought they had it all figured out. And then Jesus comes and, and gives them a description that, that just doesn't fit their profile. And it was very hard for them to accept, especially the religious leaders that we know of as the Pharisees and the Sadducees. People like Paul. While he was still going by the name of Saul, you'll remember that he was a very respected Pharisee. And he could not understand what these Christians were saying about this man who had been crucified as a criminal. How could that be the Messiah? That didn't make any sense. And then Paul met the resurrected Jesus. And for him, the resurrection changed everything. And it wasn't just Paul. The book of Acts records that when confronted with the reality of the resurrection... There were a lot of Pharisees that suddenly realized, wait a minute, we've been wrong about this. 
And so Paul uh, says it here in Philippians as straightforwardly as it possibly could be said. Even if you don't understand Greek and Hebrew, and even if you uh, have a hard time grasping some of the great theological concepts in the Bible, this verse is really easy to understand what it's saying. You can't miss this. You can disagree with it, but you can't miss it. The name that is above every name, that's pretty self-explanatory what that means. Jesus' resurrection proved beyond all question, beyond all debate, that He is Lord of all. That's something in the way that I was with mountains. I was born in Midland, Texas. There's not a whole lot of mountains out there. Not even hills. So I built one out in the backyard, three feet tall. I was proud of my mountain. I even asked my parents for skis that year for Christmas. And then we moved to Austin, which is in the hill country of central Texas. And when I was growing up, I rode my bike all over Midland. And, and literally, there's no hills there. You can ride everywhere and not get tired. When, when I rode my bike in Austin, I could barely get up our street, much less go anywhere. But my parents kept telling me, these aren't really mountains, they're just hills. My bicycle said otherwise, but I took their word for it. And then one summer we went to Colorado, and all the way there I would see a hill out the window of the car, and I would say to my dad, is that a mountain? Is that a mountain? He said, no, just wait, we'll get there. And when we actually got to the Rocky Mountains, I couldn't believe it. I'd seen photographs, but nothing really looks like a mountain Except a mountain. I left Colorado realizing, so that's what a mountain is supposed to look like. And I also finally understood why my parents didn't buy me any skis. <laughs> Paul writes this passage out of his personal experience. An experience of a former Pharisee who thought he knew what the Messiah was supposed to look like who had rejected Jesus, who had persecuted believers, who had said anything about him being the Messiah. And then one day on that road to Damascus, he met the risen Savior and Lord. And from that moment forward, there was no longer any question about who Jesus was. We have this same opportunity. Some folks make the mistake of, of putting their trust in the things of this world. Uh, when we have that job we've always wanted, when we're moving forward in, in our career, when, when we make that team that we really had wanted to make, we think, I've arrived. This is what life is all about. Those are just the three-foot piles of dirt in the backyard that we've made and called it a mountain. The problem is, we've not seen the real thing. When you see Jesus for who He really is, the One who healed the sick, the One who raised the dead, the One who gave Himself on a cross, who rose again, there's only one conclusion. He's Lord of all. And one day, one day, everyone will know 
Paul puts it this way, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, Paul leaves nothing to question here. Again, you can disagree with him, but there's no doubt what he's saying here. Again, that verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is a day coming when every creature, no matter who they might be, no matter where they might be, everyone will see Jesus for who He really is. The Scripture doesn't leave out anyone. Every need in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. There's nowhere to hide from this truth. Nowhere to miss the fact that there is one Lord, one Savior, and He is Jesus. Jesus illustrated this truth with a story about a rich man and a poor man, two people that were as opposite as they could possibly be in life. The rich man had everything. There was nothing that he could have possibly wanted in life that he didn't already have. The poor man had nothing. He survived by eating whatever scraps happened to fall off the table of the rich man. These folks were as far apart from each other as they possibly could have been. They were opposite. And as it happened, both men die on the same day. The poor man who had placed his trust in God finds himself in heaven. The rich man who ignored God all of his life Trusting in all of his riches and possessions to get him whatever he needed, he found out that they couldn't buy what he really needed most. Things didn't work out quite like he planned. He finds himself in eternal punishment, separated not only from all those things that he thought were so important to him, but also separated from the one thing that mattered to him the most, separated from the love of God. And from his torment, he cries out to the poor man, asking that he be allowed to come to him just even with a drop of water to cool his thirst. And when that doesn't work out, he asks that he be allowed to return back to life to warn his family about the mistake that they were making as well. And he's told that they had the Scripture. If they didn't listen to that, they wouldn't even listen to him. Here's the irony of, of Jesus' parable. Both men realized the truth. It's just that one of them realized it too late. What Paul is saying is that one day everyone will be one of those two people. There will be those who have trusted Christ as their Savior and Lord, and they will be in His presence glorifying His name. And there will be those who have not trusted Him as their Savior and Lord, who will be eternally separated from His love. And even worse, eternally aware that Jesus is, in fact, Savior and Lord. That's the dividing line. 
It's not whether or not we one day will glorify the name of Christ. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Everyone. The only question is when. This Christmas season, as we celebrate all the beauty of this time of year, as we share in all the joy of the wonders of this season, let us remember how important it is that we share with our world the real meaning of the baby born in the manger. How desperately everyone needs to hear now that Jesus Christ is Lord. Heavenly Father, help us to recognize the truth of this passage of Scripture. It's a joyous truth, one that we proclaim, especially during this season of the year as we sing the wonderful songs of Christmas. As we recognize the message the angels first proclaimed that very first Christmas morning. But God, remind us that there are many in our world today who desperately need to hear that message. Who one day will know. But God, they need to know now. So help us as we share through the Lottie Christmas offering. Help us as we share through our personal testimony and witness. Help us as we share through the ministries of our church. Help us to share that Jesus Christ is Lord. For it is in His name we pray. Amen.